Tonight I want to take your attention to the Word of the Lord, and it's going to be very simple tonight. I'm a simple man, so I preach simple sermons. I don't have any in-depth stuff. I just know what God says. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to read from the King James Version from Matthew chapter 7 first. And uh, you got to understand that what I'm about to read is part of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a, uh, to me, if you've never read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you ought to go read that this week. Just, just zero in and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is to me some of the greatest teachings of the New Testament. Because Jesus was teaching his disciples, but he touched on so many areas of our life that are so, that are so good. And in, in, the, in the seventh chapter, in the 24th verse, he said this. You've heard this a million times, but tonight I want to talk about it. He said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Say it with me, it fail not. Then he said, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the flood came and the winds blew and beat upon the house. Now say this with me, and it fail. It fail. And great was the fall of it. He came back and told that, that same parable in the book of Luke. And in the 6th chapter, in the 46th verse, I'm going to read from the Message Bible. I want you to hear what it had, what it had to say. It's still considering the, the man that built his house upon the rock and the man that built his house upon the sand. And so this is what the Message Bible says, I'm not always a fan of the Message Bible, but sometimes it puts it out there in our lingo where we can understand it a little better. And uh, sometimes they almost get sacrilegious. I'm just being honest with you. But here's what it said. Why are you so polite with me? This is Jesus talking, always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir. But never doing a thing, I tell you. These words. I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. And if you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. And when the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, Nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my word in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. That's from the Message Bible. So bef before we begin, and, and I get into what I really have to say, 
Let me put this parable in context for you this evening. Jesus is not teaching sinners. He is teaching his own disciples. So he is talking to, if I could say it this way, the church. In fact, the message introduces this passage. It introduces, the message Bible does this passage to show us that Jesus always expected more out of his disciples than he does from the crowd. This is what the Message Bible said in the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2. It said, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And this is what he said. And so that's the the introduction of the Message Bible into the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read chapter 7 of the Sermon on the Mount, you'll find some, some very unique things there. That's why in the 13th and 14th verse, There are two ways. Everybody say two ways. He talked about two ways, one of them being narrow, and the Greek word for that meant restricted or confined. The other, which led to a broad, that's the other way, narrow and broad. And broad in the Greek simply meant broad country. So he said there's a narrow way that leads to life. And there's a broad way that leads to destruction. So in verse 13 and 14, he talks about two kinds of disciples because he was talking to his disciples. My subject for this evening is simply this, building for life. Building for life. Building not just for the right now, not just for the moment, not just for where we are the next 30 days but building for life. That's why in Matthew chapter 7, verses 16 through 20, he talked about two trees. Notice he talked about two ways, and now he's talking about two trees. And he said, one which bears good fruit and one which bears evil fruit. Two kinds of disciples. One who bears good fruit, one who bears evil fruit. And then he goes down to the scriptures that I read to you in the 24th verse, and he talks about two kinds of foundations, two kinds of houses built. And and there again, he's talking about two kinds of disciples. Could Could I tell you that these are simple scriptures and simple things that Jesus said, but oh, oh, what a meaning they had. And how deep that goes into our Christianity and our walk with God. What what Jesus really teaches us in these scriptures is, is, is about our life. And here's what he's saying. Everybody is building a house. Everybody. Not just the pastor. Not just you or you or you. But everybody. In the scripture, the word house can be used in several ways. In Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45, 
It's talking about our own personal life. We're building a house when we build our own personal life. In in 1 Timothy 3, it's talking about of a person's family. You're building a house when you are building your family. And in 1 Peter 2, verses 5 through 9, of the, the church, it's talking about building of the church itself, which is the Lord's house. So there's, there's, there's several different connotations of the word house and definitions of the word house. And whether a person is building for his own life, a character, a family, a society, a church, a biblical principle, he has to understand according to the scriptures that it matters how you build and it matters what you build on and it matters what your foundation is so you and I must build carefully. Amen? I do know this. Now, I'm not a builder. We got some in here tonight and they can straighten me out. I'm looking around. I know several carpenters while I speak, so don't judge me too quickly here. But here's what I do know. If you start off a half inch off, before you get through, it's going to be way worse than a half inch. Am I right on that? You can't let a little bit start off that way. I know, I know somebody that was building, somebody connected with this church some time ago, and, and, and a guy came along to help, and he said, oh, oh I, I, that'll work. It was just a little bit off. And the, the guy that goes here said, uh, no, it won't work either. Now, with me, it won't work because... When you get down the way, there's going to be a whole lot of problems. Amen. Here's what Paul said to the church in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, in the Message Bible. I'm using it again. Using the gift, of, the gift God gave me as a good architect, he said, I designed blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there's going to be an inspection, and if you use cheap or inferior materials, you're going to be found out. The inspection will be thorough and rigorous, and you won't get by with the thing. Now, that's what the Message Bible said. Listen, what he's really saying is every man's work's going to be tried by fire. And, and, and we're going to have to reckon with how we are building our house. So every person is this. You either are a wise builder or you are a foolish builder. You, you, are, you are in one category or the other. And that's why Proverbs said this in the 24th chapter, the 3rd and the 4th verse. He said, though wisdom is in house builded, and by under, or through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. There are three key words in that Scripture in the book of Proverbs. Everybody say this with me. Knowledge. Say understanding. Say wisdom. How many of you understand that we need knowledge, we need understanding, and we need wisdom? I pray every day 
I don't know what you do, but I pray every day, God, give me understanding. I pray every day, God, I don't know how to do what I'm doing. I need wisdom. I can't see past the end of my nose, but you know what's in tomorrow. You know what's down the road. I need the knowledge of God. We have the knowledge because the knowledge is this. It's the observation of facts. That's what knowledge is. Knowledge is when you see it and you, you know that's right. That's knowledge. There, you have knowledge about your job because that's what you do every day. I, I, was, I was laughing the other day. We were sitting at the table with, with Will, and he, he, he works with batteries. And, and something was said. I said, I don't understand all that. I'm not a battery guy. I'm a preacher. I understand how to preach in the Bible and how to lead service. I don't know one thing about batteries. I'm not a good carpenter. Don't call me to do your stuff. Call somebody that knows more than I do. I can piddle. I'm, I, 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 this, is, this is what I do. But it's the observation of facts, knowledge is. Understanding is this. It's the explanation of facts. That's understanding. And wisdom is the application of facts. So for this reason, in our building, you need Knowledge, because you need to observe the facts. And you need to understand it because you need to explain the facts. And you need wisdom because you need to apply that to whatever you're building. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you there's not a book written anywhere any better, any more powerful, any, any more instructional, with any more knowledge than the Word of God. We need to have the knowledge, we need to have the understanding, and we need to have the wisdom, and that alone is the blueprint for the house we have to build. Amen? I've seen a lot of folks that knew a lot of stuff that thought they knew a lot of stuff, and they didn't know near so much as they thought they knew. You've often heard me say about the man that I knew that... that uh, he learned more and more about less and less until he finally knew all about nothing. It's possible. It's possible. So the biblical concept of hearing is the same as, watch me here, obedience. The biblical concept of hearing is the same as obedience. In other words, if you don't do what is said, you didn't really hear what was said. That's why the Bible said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said. Amen? So, I, I want to get to this today. There, and there, there's, there's so many similarities between the two builders in Jesus' parable, what he said here. The only real difference from, from the wise man and the foolish man is the foundation, and, and which Jesus called obedience because they both heard it. They both heard, go read it. He said, whosoever doeth these sayings of mine, and, and uh, you hear it, but if you don't do it, you didn't really hear it because you didn't obey it. In, in, the, in the 46th verse of, of Luke 6, it said, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? 
while you hear the preacher on Sunday and on Wednesday, but you go and he's preaching from the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I don't ask you to believe one thing I say except the Word of God. But if I'm in the Word of God, you are obligated to hear the Word of the Lord. If I'm preaching the book of God, you're obligated to obey the Word of God. Are you with me? I can't preach from Newsweek magazine. I can't preach from the morning newspaper. I can't preach from the latest news channel. I, I can preach the Word of God. But if I preach all that other stuff, you brush that aside. But if I'm preaching to you the Word of God, you better hear it and you better obey it. Amen? Because that's why you're building a house. Why call me? Jesus said, why are you calling me Lord? Why are you saying to me, sir? Why are you looking? Why are you do, And you're not doing the thing I'm asking you to do. You're not doing what I say. You know what James said in, in James chapter 1? He said this in verse 22. Be, oh, you got to get this scripture. Mark this one in your Bible. Don't do it now. Matter of fact, leave your phones alone. Some of you play it on your phones too much, and I saw you, and I know you're doing it. So they quit. Y'all ain't going to get nobody else that will tell you that and just be honest with you. Amen. Here's what James said. Be ye doers of the word. Everybody say doers. Not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. You know the greatest compliment you can pay to a pastor or a preacher? You know the greatest? It's not walking up here and saying, oh, preacher, that was powerful. That was good. I'm kind of like Brother Tenney. Oh, don't say that. You know, we all like compliments, but that's not the greatest compliment you can pay me. It really isn't. I got some wonderful text after Sunday's service, people that were so kind, people that were so nice, people texting me. And, 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 you know, and saying, thank you, Pastor. Thank you for preaching that way. We needed that. Thank you. That's good. Thank you. I appreciate you. You made me feel good. But let me tell you the greatest compliment you can pay is not be a hearer only, but be a doer of the Word of God. A doer of the Word of God. That's why James said, you're deceiving yourself if you're hearing it and you're not doing it. Because what you're doing is you're like the foolish man that built his house. And he heard it, but he didn't, he didn't do what God said to do. Are you with me? The foundation of a person's life is obedience. Two the Word of God, not to me, to the Word of God. Disobedience in a person's life is like a foolish man building a house without a foundation. And that's, that's given in these scriptures. Three, three major parts of a house. Three major parts. You ready? The first one, what, what do you think? is the most important part of a house. Foundation. I was, uh, they're building a new house in our subdivision. It's the last lot in our subdivision. And, and last week, they picked, I think it was Friday morning or Saturday morning. It must have been Saturday morning. 
But anyway, they picked up. It may have been Friday, but they, I heard the I heard the cement trucks early. I'm talking about like daylight. And I told my wife, I said, they're pouring that slab. And they've been trouncing around down in the mud. And, and uh, I thought, boy, what a rough day. Because I don't know if you remember last Friday and Saturday, it was cold. It was muggy. Saturday, it was miserable. It was like 32 degrees when I got out of bed and raining. I don't, I don't especially like that kind of weather. But, but I went by there a time or two, and, and the concrete finishers had them a fire built. And, uh, and, and they were, and they, you know, you, you can't just finish concrete real quick when it's not drying. And I, I know enough to know that you've got to stay with that slab. And I told my wife, I said, you know what? Them boys going to be here tonight. And when I came back by about 9, 9.30, guess what? They had a big light up, and they're still working on that slab. Because let me tell you why. If you don't get that right, I don't care what else you build on it. You got a mess. Am I right? Everything depends on that foundation. Here's, here's what Psalms 11 and 3 said. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed... There's foundations in our life. There's biblical truths and things that are built into our life to make sure that our house is steady. You ought to build a foundation in your family. You ought to make sure the foundation of what you teach your kids is right. Here's what Ephesians said, 2 and 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Paul said the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, what did the apostles and prophets believe? They believed exactly what you read in the book of Acts and in the first church and the things that were written there. This is, the, this is what they built the church on. This is why Jesus was so adamant when he taught on the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't want anybody building on anything else but a sure and solid foundation. And Paul said that foundation is the foundation of the apostles and prophets, but the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. If you're not building on Jesus, you need to go back. You need to erect a better foundation and start all over because nothing's going to last in the building of your life without Jesus being the chief cornerstone. That's why he said in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1 in the Message Bible, so come on, let's leave the preschool finger-painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. He said, grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help and turning in trust toward God. Baptismal instruction, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, God helping us, we'll stay true to that. 
but there's so much more. Let us go on with it. If you go read that scripture, it's saying let us go on from the foundations that God has given us, from the things that God has put in us. I want to tell you today I've never been more glad in my life that I had a mom and a dad and a church and a church family and a God that taught me the very foundation of it all. I'll tell you where my foundation is. It's in Jesus. I'll tell you what I know to do. I know when I can't do anything else, I can go back to him. When I can't find my way I can go back to him when I put my faith in him everything is going to be okay because he is the foundation of my life hallelujah so the foundation is salvation everybody say this with me the foundation is salvation okay that's coming to the Lord and being born again of the Lord and Spirit here's the proper structure let me, I talked about the three major parts. The first one is the foundation. The other one is a pop, proper structure. Noah's Ark illustrates the truth. I preached from this a few weeks ago when I talked about how particular God was about the structure. Let me tell you, God didn't do anything halfway. I've been, I've been amazed when I read the word of the Lord. God gave Noah instructions on how to build an ark. Nobody had ever built an ark before. The ark of safety had to be built according to divine pattern, according to divine instruction, in order, in order to withstand the flood. I am of the firm opinion, and I believe this with all my heart, that the only way that boat withstood the flood was it was built according to God's instruction. Anybody believe that with me? I believe that. And, and, and the framework, and, and the work and the material. Look, look at what Genesis 6 and 15 says. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubics. The breadth of it, 50 cubics. And the height of it, 30 cubics. A window shalt thou make to the ark. And in a cubic shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou sit in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. That's pretty, that's pretty instructional. You got to build me a three-story boat. I want it this wide, this high. I want a door in the side. I want a wind in the top. Amen? I have never been to see it. Anybody ever been to see that replication of the ark? Anybody? Yeah, right here. Pretty, they tell me that's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So God said that, and he said, I want you to build it out of gopher wood. I want you to pitch it within and without. He had instructions. It was the structure. You know what? I was reading the other day of Moses' tabernacle in the wilderness, and, and, and the illustration is the same. God gave Moses the pattern for the tabernacle, for his house, a framework, a framework that held together amidst the desert storms of the wilderness for 40 years of wandering. He had, I mean, it goes down to the rings. It goes down to, to, the, to the, 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 uh, the coverings. It, 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 it's everything, the perfect instruction is given. In Exodus 25, 8 and 9, watch this. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according 
to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Forty is the number of testing in the scriptures, 40. Remember that. God tests our obedience by seeing if we will live within the framework of his commandments. The structure, the structure that I want to talk about. The, the 40 years of wandering, the 40 years on the mountain, the, that, that is the testing period of God. 40 days, how long did it rain? 40 days and 40 nights. How long was Moses on Mount Sinai? 40 days. How, how long did Israel wander in, in, in the wilderness of sin? 40 years. 40 is a time of testing. God is going to test your structure. And if it is built according to what he gives and how you should build, it will withstand the test. So, so the structure is this. If the proper structure or, or the, the proper uh, excuse me, foundation is salvation, the proper structure has to be the commandments of God, how to build. So that's the structure. Now there's one other element. And that is the proper covering, proper covering. Noah, Noah and the ark, Moses and the tabernacle also illustrate this truth. Each of them, each of them would have been operational without a covering. They would have been, but neither of them would have been comfortable without a covering to protect those inside. God could have built a boat and left it open. God could have had the ark and, and all the furniture and the tabernacle and, 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 and not had a covering. It, it could have worked. In particular, the coverage of the tabernacle, because they were beautiful on the inside. They were made of fine linen on the inside, but they were unattractive on the outside. They were made of badger skin. It didn't look good from the outside. But it looked good from the inside. And you didn't really understand God's blessings on Israel until you got under the covering where you could see the beauty of the inside. Let me tell you, when you finally get in the church, if you're not in there and if you're not in here, you will never understand the beauty and the workings of God. You, that's why the Bible said in the New Testament, watch me here. This is not in my notes, but it comes to me now. The carnal mind is not subject to the law of God and neither indeed can be. You will never understand the beauty of God's house and the beauty of the miracles and the signs and the wonders that God gives the church. So the covering, the covering of the house is the favor of God. How many of you believe God wants you to live in his favor? He does. I'm telling you, he does. You know what God wants? He wants you to be in good health, and he wants you to prosper.
He wants to give you the very best. I believe that with all of my heart. God doesn't expect us to live like paupers. He wants to, look, if you'll follow the instruction and you'll build your house on the Word of God, I'm going I'm to stand up before you as bold as a lion on this Wednesday night and tell you God will never fail you. He will never let you down. He will be there in your darkest night. He'll help you over the highest uh, hurdle that you have to go over. He is a God of his word and when you start building and you get the foundation right and the structure right and the covering right, you are going to live in the favor of God. Hallelujah. Let me hurry. I'm going to quit on time tonight in Jesus' name. There are three major tests that's going to come to your house or that comes to a house. Floods test the foundation. It's in the scripture. Isaiah 59, 19. I'm giving you a lot of word. I hope you're getting it tonight. So shall thy, they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy, when, when the enemy shall come in like a, what does it say? I, it's not on the screen yet. What does it say? When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Let the flood come. The flood is the testing of your foundation. Let the flood come. Because the Spirit of the Lord, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 15 said, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. The foundation of every man will be tested by the flood. That's why the Lord taught in the scriptures. He said, what's going to happen when the rain comes and the flood comes? If you didn't build on good stuff, your foundation is not going to stand. Not going to make it. In today's society, where we live right now, the enemy send floods of all kinds against the foundation that we build. Look, this is what the Bible teaches in the last days. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. If you can be moved, you will be moved. You believe that? you got to get your foot on the rock and your mind made up. I ain't moving. Devil, you're a liar. Nothing's going to move me. You can send all the enemy floods you want to send. God is about to raise up a standard against that. The Holy Ghost is going to keep me through this. I'm building on the right foundation. I'm trusting Jesus every step of the way. I'm preaching to you on a Wednesday night that the floods can't hurt you if your foundation is right. And they're coming to every man. They're not coming just to me. They're coming to you. Floods represent attack from the devil. Okay? That's what floods represent, an attack from, the, from Satan. That's when he comes like a flood. Here's something else. Winds are going to test your structure. Winds. Ephesians 4, 14. In the Good Word Translation. Listen. Then we will no longer be little children tossed 
and carried about by all kinds of teachings that change like the wind. We will no longer be influenced by people who use cunning and clever strategies to lead us astray. Ladies and gentlemen, there's voices from everywhere you want to listen today that say God's commandments are not necessary. They've always got a new revelation. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible said. There's nothing new under the sun. You better go back and get the Word of God and say if the Bible says it, I believe it. Man, I was I, I got so fired up a couple of days ago. Listen, I want you to Google this, okay? Not now, but I want you to Google. I'm afraid some of you are going to grab your phone when I say Google, but I want you to Google something. I want you to go in and Google tonight before you go to bed on your phone. When did the baptismal formula change? Or who changed the baptismal formula? Follow? That's all you got to do. I Googled it. said Google said that I'm reading from Google I've never preached from Google I don't guess but I'm googling now the baptismal formula was changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father Son and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church in the second century everywhere in the oldest sources it states that baptism took place in the name of Jesus Christ Britannica Encyclopedia, 11th edition, volume 3, pages 365 through 366. I just thought I'd throw that in tonight just to let you know we're on a sure foundation. We're on a sure foundation. I didn't say it. The encyclopedia said it. And Google said, you know everything on Google is true. I got to reading that, but, it, but here's, here's where I said that. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of doctrines. There's a lot of wind. The Bible talks about people who are swayed with every wind of doctrine, everything that comes along. You know, pe- yeah, they, they tell the stories of those people that came through years ago, supposedly all dripping out of their fingers. And, you know, they, 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 there's anointing people with this oil. And look, I, I believe in oil, and I believe in anointing. I believe in all kind of stuff. But you better not, you better not be following all that stuff. You better make sure the Bible said, know them that labor among you. And you better be sure they're in the Word of God teaching the right things and, the, and not the wrong things because you'll be led off and your foundation will be shaken by every wind of doctrine. There are many voices about God's command. Some say that if something is not a salvation issue, it's not an issue at all. But God's Word teaches that there are maturity issues for disciples. Do you know what the word disciple comes from? Discipline. Everybody needs discipline. We don't have enough of it. 
discipline. I need more discipline with my fork. I know you'd like that, Will. We, we get on that food stuff. You always with me, ain't you? I got tickled. They tell me that he, he says Jay Paul is his accountability guy. And he said, he looked at Jay at the, I wasn't there, but Jeff was telling me about it. He said, Jay, you are my accountability, but not when I'm eating. <laughs> I'll turn you over to Clacey. She'll stop all that. But, you, but, but, we, but we need to be disciplined. You know what winds represent? False doctrine. Floods represent attacks from the devil. Winds represent false doctrine. Here's another one. Rains test the covering. Rains. Rains come down. Isaiah said this, there shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place for, of refuge and for a covert from storm and from rain. You see, in life, there's a lot of situations and circumstances that seem to temporarily block God's favor. At least in our opinion, we think that's what happens. But this is not really the case. Trials are simply a test. The test of the rain comes. And the rain represents life trials. Hear me when I tell you, the flood's going to come. The wind's going to come. The rain's going to come. But he that buildeth upon a sure foundation is going to last. Hallelujah. You're going to walk out victorious over the things that have come against you. Whether you're building a life or a character in your life, a family or a church, or, or there's a test against something that, that you're doing for God. I'm here to tell you just keep building and stay firm because you are not just building, you are building your life. And your life is going to make it by the help and grace of God. So what's the difference in a wise builder and a foolish builder, or a wise disciple and a foolish disciple? I want you to say one word with me tonight, obedience. What's the difference? You hear these sayings of mine and you don't do them, you're a foolish builder. That's what Jesus said. I'm not me, I'm talking about the word of the Lord. If you hear them and you do them, let the wind blow. Let the rain come. Let the floods come. Because the Bible said he built upon bedrock. That's what that translation said. He was on bedrock. He wasn't going anywhere. Now I've seen, I've lived long enough to see people blown away with the winds. I've seen the floods sweep them away. I've seen the rain drive them away. But they were people that built upon sand and not rock. The foolish man's house went up the quickest, but lasted the shortest time. Did you hear what I said? It went up the quickest. This is a day by day by day by day walk with God. You do not achieve and get there overnight. Some of you have been living for God a long time. And you are more stable because you've been building longer. But we have people that are fresh here and they're learning. But that's why I'm here on a Wednesday night to tell you just keep planting your feet. Look, I told you already, just because you come to God doesn't mean it's going to be a, a, a rose garden, honey. <laughs> You're not 
going to get up every morning and the sun's going to be shining, the bank account's going to be full and all the kids are going to be well and the car's going to run like a sewing machine and, and, and there's never going to be another flat tire and you're never going to be broke again and you, you don't even have to go to work if you don't want to. I, I wish I could tell you that was the truth, but here's the truth. You ready for the truth? You're still going to get the flu. You're still going to cough. You're still going to have to go to the hospital sometime. You're still going to be broke sometime. You're going to wonder where the light bill's coming from. But he that builds on the rock. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a living witness. He that builds upon the rock. Somebody, I was telling, I, 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 I believe it was Chase I was telling this week that we, we were talking a little bit. And uh, when I started out preaching, he said, how'd you do? I said, I started preaching when I was 18. I've been preaching 50 years. And uh, and April the 7th, I'll be married 50 years. So, hallelujah. And uh, I said, Chase, when I, I started preaching when I was 18. And I, I never will forget. And I'm, I'm not talking about part-time. I mean, I laid everything down and, and, and hit the trail. And I was depending on preachers, churches, traveling all over. That's what I did. 18. And I remember a time, Arlene will remember this. And we came home, and I didn't have nowhere to go the next week. I mean, look, I had a $62 payment to make on my travel trailer. And, 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 and it, it was, you know, it was that. We were getting rich back in those days for sure. I mean, I, the first year I traveled and evangelized, the first year, I made $3,200. I mean, I was, I was rolling in it. You hear me? True story. I'm not lying to you. But I remember coming home, and I told my wife, I said, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, we were married, didn't have no kids. Well, I didn't know nothing else to do. So I just said, I'm going to church. I'm going to pray. 18. I might have been 19 by then because we got married at 18 and I was 19 the next month. So I was 19. And I can take you to, I can take you to 1800 Parkview Drive and I can walk you to the front door. I can walk you right up the middle aisle and turn right where that big old brown beam was right by the front row. And I can show you where I knelt and I can tell you that I had a talk with God. And I said to him this, Lord, if you call me to preach, you've got to give me a place to preach. If you want me to evangelize and travel and preach this gospel, you've got to open my door. i got way too much pride to be called. These preachers nowadays, they ain't got no pride. They call me. I'm telling you, uh, uh, you don't even want to go there. Told somebody not long ago, I'm going to quit treating preachers good when they come by here so they won't you know, quit calling me. <laughs> but I stayed there, I don't know how long, but a while. And I just felt like God had it all. I got up, I went home. Is this truth, Earlene? She said, uh, Brother So-and-So from So-and-So just called, and he wants you to come preach Sunday. From the time I left praying to the time I got home, God answered my prayer. I've never been without a place since then. 
I've never wondered what God was going to do. I told the Lord one morning, years ago, I was, I, I was, I was a pastor then, just a young pastor. I said, God, it wasn't a big deal, but I said, I need $250 tomorrow. I ain't got it. This is no lie. I'm standing in God's church. I went to the mailbox the next day, and there was an envelope with $250 in it. You say, I don't believe that. I believe it because I'm building on the right foundation. I got to looking through some old records not long ago, and when I was making a little bit, I gave God a little bit. When I started making a little more, I gave God more. I always wrote the check. Sometimes it was for $8. Sometimes it was for $6. Sometimes it was for $10. But you know what I did? I built my house on a solid foundation. Devil's throwed everything at me you can throw. I'm telling you right now, he'll probably throw some more. I'm not done yet. He's, he, he hears this, I'm sure he'll loose all the demons before I go to bed tonight. But I'm going to tell you what. A building on the right foundation. And the devil is not going to sweep me away with the flood. And the wind is not going to blow me away with some false doctrine. And the rain is not going to destroy my covering. I am standing on the right foundation. Stand with me all over this house tonight. Hallelujah. So build right, build wise, be wise. James 1.22 in the New Living Testament, here's what it said. And I read this just in closing. He said, remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you are only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But if you keep looking stead steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I'm building and I'm obeying. How about you? I'm going to do whatever God said do. I trust him. You trust him? I believe him. Do you believe him? 